I've come to visit the place that William Blake died. It was Fountain Court, now the Savoy Hotel and Diner. But just off the Strand, here in central London, looking down towards Trafalgar Square, which wouldn't have been there when Blake was alive. But it was at the time quite a fashionable place for radical thinking, a trendy place to live, you might say, which London is so good at producing. In fact, even at the end of the Savoy building here is a little plaque, not only remembering Fountain Court where Blake died, but also the Fountain Tavern, where in the 18th century, radicals would meet to contend the political and social issues of the day. Now, we go down this rather dark passage along the side of the Savoy, and here the story starts to get richer, because Blake's apartment, where he lived with Catherine in Fountain Court, was demolished, and these buildings were put up in its stead. And what strikes me so powerfully now is that the spot where Blake died is actually inhabited by these industrial air conditioning units to guess, keep the guests inside, I guess, feeling comfortable. There's something of the dark satanic mill to this place. It is, you might say, an all-row experience of death, which is so different from how Blake was remembered as dying. It was said that instead of seeing these dark machines, the end of life, if you like, the back end of life, he himself, though he had been suffering for quite some time, the suffering eased and it was said his face lightened and he started to see and sing of the heaven that was going to become his destiny and it contrasts so much with the darkness of this tunnel now. Ulro, Blake had spent much of his life, particularly the latter part of his life, exploring, experiences death in this empty, noisy, chaotic, hopeless way in Jerusalem, the emanation of the giant Albion. Albion loses touch with the spirit of things, with life. So I'll walk down towards the end of the passageway, picking up Blake's exploration of the all-row perception of death in the figure of Albion, who loses hope. And what Albion can't see is the vitality of life itself. He sees life as a private possession. He sees life as something that belongs to him in isolation, cut off from others. And this takes him on the spiral down towards what Blake calls eternal death, which he faces in Jerusalem, the emanation of the giant Albion. And in particular, he loses touch with the spirit of his soul, Jerusalem, who nonetheless 
doesn't quite lose touch with loss another aspect of we human beings who is the imaginative creative principle and in response to Albion's despair and demise in the tunnel of death Loss starts to build Golganusa to build Golganusa on the banks of the Thames in London's great city and Golganusa is a place that desperately tries to keep life going. It's a place where there's constant building and constant decay, Loss realises. It's called the state of generation. In a way it's life in its selfish gene form, it's Darwinian life, as is often described at least, the struggle for survival. It produces wonderful things but it faces the shadow of death continually too. And so Loss, throughout the course of the poem, keeps faith with the divine vision, we're told, but increasingly realises that he can't beat this vision of life and death at its own game. And so Jerusalem, the spiritual figure in the poem, gradually despairs more and more but we're told that there are greater forces at work and we're coming now down towards embankment gardens at the rear end of the Savoy and I want to move into the embankment gardens because it's almost as if another aspect of reality is remembered in this greener place because what keeps appearing in the poem are, well, the daughters of Beulah and the gardens of Beulah, the lovely places of Beulah. And Beulah is a place that knows there's more to life than just preservation, than the generation, the cycles of building and destroying. Beulah knows that life itself shares in the principles you might call soul or you might call expressions of beauty, or you might call the desire to join together and share life, rather than the all-rose state of division that generation fails to put back together again. Because what's required for the gardens of Beulah to flourish is a sense of collaboration, of co-mingling, of even co-inherence and the hope in the poem is kept alive by the vision of Beulah. You get a taste for it in gardens, even in the soil of gardens, because you might say that we're at a point now where we're realizing that things like soil aren't battlegrounds, generation grounds for survival. Actually, they are what Merlin Sheldrake in his recent book has called environments of entangled life where life is as likely to give itself to life as it is just to fight for its own survival. There's a new picture of life and death emerging which is much more in line with Blake's notion of Beulah and yet 
Beulah itself still feels a certain desperation. In itself it can't know about the being that is the foundation of its well-being. It can't know about what Blake calls the divine vision, though it continually gets glimpses of it. And so desperation can enter Beulah as well. And by chance, it's rather wonderfully captured, I think, in the Sullivan Memorial, the Arthur Sullivan Memorial here in Bankment Gardens, which has this very famous music muse lamenting the death of Arthur Sullivan, lamenting the loss of his music. And that's the state that Bueller can fall into as well, a desperate state where death isn't meaningless like in Although, isn't something to be fought like in Generation, but is a tragedy to be powerfully lamented as the muse of music here is portraying. And yet there's a sense that comes through in Blake's poem that that's not the end of the story and this is following Blake's golden string, winding it into a ball and seeing how it leads to Heaven's Gate in Jerusalem's wall. Here we are right in the heart of Golganuza, London, now transformed into Heaven's Gate, the potential for heaven to be known even in this wonderful city of London. And that happens because life realises that towards it is approaching the divine. Blake describes how Jesus appears and tears the veil that stops us seeing the wider life of which we're part. And this is to give us not just glimpses of eternity, but is to allow us to know how we live more and more from eternity, which is the ground and the source of all our life, and which contains even death, eternal death as Blake puts it, and can transform it into life with the wonderful mystery that Blake knew, other spiritual traditions know, that death is actually the pathway to life. This is, I think, what the poem is hoping to show us most fully. That death, in small ways, the little kindnesses that are little deaths, as Blake calls it, as well as facing our own mortality, can be an experience of awakening to the life that our mortal life partakes in. Blake describes towards the end of the poem how Albion awakens because Jerusalem doesn't give up on him. Her maternal love, he says, stirs even in the places under the earth that are full of death and awakens in his breast once more the divine spark that can never actually leave us because we would fall out of existence altogether not just die and by realizing that understanding his terrible mistakes the darkness of his hopelessness the narrowness of his perception how 
the doors that are heaven's gate in Jerusalem's wall he had slammed shut in his earlier rage. He throws himself into mortal life, into the furnaces of affliction. He gives himself to all that Albion has to offer the place so that he, Albion, the figure, can be immersed in the life that is his. And that reveals to him the vision of eternity that Jesus rendering the veil asunder, rending the veil in two, that walking towards death rather than fearing it and trying to turn away from it, which produces either the panic of Ulro, the mania of generation, or the lament of Beulah, can actually bring the joy and delight of the eternal city of which Golganuza can express and manifest echoes, but it too must fall away, we must let it go, because that is the pathway to discovering the life of which it is no doubt a wonderful, entangled, giving expression, but is the expression of the eternal life that inevitably Blake thought for all of our suffering awaits us all.